Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Matthew 18, verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, they, they shall ask, it shall be done. If you agree and touch anything, and they ask it, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for the hearing, the reading of the word. We ask you to help us today to enter in together. Amen. To enter in to the presence and the things of God. To enter in and to go where God wants us to go, but not to do it alone, but to do it together. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated as I preach to you. Enter in together. Amen. Enter in together. You may be seated. Matthew 18, 18 is a particular scripture that is coming off the heels of dealing with the friction of two people having a misunderstanding, and God tucks into scripture right here not only the way to handle the misunderstanding that whenever you have a problem or a grief with somebody, you don't go tell everybody, hello, somebody. You don't get on social media and share it to all your friends. The Bible says that you're supposed to go to them individually and you're supposed to say look you offended me because sometimes the offender doesn't even know they offended you and so the impetus or the the weight is on you the offended to go and talk with the person that has actually offended you you're supposed to go directly to them and say hey did you know that hurt me when you said that that was a problem that was a difficulty for me and so he's dealing with this in matthew chapter 18 and he said if you go to them and they won't receive from you then you are to go and you are to take two or three others with you oftentimes leadership or something like that and then if they won't hear you then you're supposed to go to the church the church and biblical times was the place of government they often governed situations and misunderstandings through the leadership of the church and so they would go to the church get the preacher the preacher would come with them or go with them or leadership would go with them and then they would go before the person who would not hear the first time individually the second time with two or three and then now the third time they're coming with the leadership and with the governance and so they are doing this and Jesus comes off of that and says verily I say unto you it's a spiritual principle that he's applying now to a natural situation he said if you have something that comes against you that's an obstacle or that's a closed door that you can't seem to press through or get through whether it's human or not, whether it's whether it's a situation or a system, you have the right to go before the Lord and take a hold of that thing and pray over it and actually loose and bind on the earth. And that in doing so with the spirit of God in you, you can actually lo- 
loose and bind in heaven. In other words, we've been dealing with the door situation, the open door series, and we've been talking about how John had seen an open door in heaven, and then it was poured out, or there was things that were opened out on the earth. In other words, the door must open first in heaven, and then it opens in the earth. But in scripture, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, it flips the script. In other words, God is saying when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you are able to open doors in the earth and open doors in the heaven. Do you understand what I mean by that? Before, they had to go and they had to listen to what the Lord had to say to the priests. And when the Lord would speak to the priests, if they were listening to God, God would give them strength. God would give them battle plans. God would give them all the things that they needed. He said, I have given you the promised land. I have opened the door for you that you can go into Cana and you can claim the promised land. But then as the doors were open and promises were open from heaven, they had to then live it out and go in and fight those battles and and come and conquer the actual land. So when you see in the Old Testament, the doors opening in heaven and then opening as they fought the battles on earth and the promises received, we now see in the New Testament that the Bible says with the power of the Holy Ghost, we can pray a door open. Amen. That you can literally bind on earth and then it'll be bound in heaven and you can loose on earth and it can be loosed in heaven. So you can walk into a situation where there's one person that can bind and loose. But whenever you get into the understanding that Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says that one shall send a thousand to flight and two shall send 10,000 to flight, you understand the power of agreement. Everyone say agreement. The power of unity. Unity is the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things in the church because unity is how the church grows. Simple fact. If you understand the circle of unity, you know that if you can get a people unified in the body of Christ, that what happens from that unity is the power of God begins to move. And when the power of God begins to move, ministry takes place. Everybody say unity. And then off of unity, the power of God moves. And then we have ministry take place. Everyone say ministry. And then off of ministry, we have the ability to be more mature. Everyone say maturity. So unity in the body creates ministry among the body in the Holy Ghost. And that ministry among the body matures the saints. Amen. And the mature saints understand that they don't need to fight for their own purposes or their own will. They need to fight for the will of God that the kingdom of heaven would come on earth as it is in heaven. And so that creates a maturity in the mindset of the people of God as they learn the word and apply the word of God to their life, which changes their lifestyle and their thinking. All of that then creates more unity. The circle is then closed. Unity produces ministry, which produces maturity, which produces more unity, which produces ministry. You get the point. So the circle of what we're doing here is not just spending days coming to church, but we're actually learning how to come into agreement with one another. Because if I can be in agreement with you, we can send 10,000 to flight. Amen. We can fight in spiritual places that we cannot fight alone. The devil doesn't really care if we come and we worship alone. The devil doesn't really care if you have a a power of 1,000 by yourself. What he's going to do is get between you and somebody else. He doesn't want two of you getting together in agreement because the 
power of agreement gives you the power to send out 10,000. Amen. You think the numbers wouldn't work like that because you think 1,000 is what, is what one person can pray pray away or can, can send away. So you put two people together, you think it would be 2,000, but there's exponential powerful synergy that takes place in the power of unity. And so whenever you get two or three gathered, you're sending out 10,000 or 30,000. Imagine what the enemy would not want you to do to know that there is power where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of them and there's power in that. Amen, somebody. So we know that this scripture tells us that the most, one of the most important things in the Bible is unity. Do you remember when another place where unity had a great impact on the church? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, and when, they were, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. They were all in one accord in one place, excuse me. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Everyone say sitting. They weren't even standing. They had gotten so tired, they finally sat down. Amen. The Holy Ghost can move when you're sitting. You don't have to be standing. You don't have to be swinging an arm. It's great to have spontaneous worship. I like when people are dancing around the altar too. But if we get to the point where we all sit down, just let God move, he'll still move, amen? He'll still touch us because he's a great and mighty God. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, and then we go on, and, the, and there appeared unto them, so suddenly a sound from heaven to fill the, all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Everyone say, sat upon each of them. That's a very important principle of the scriptures, because you have to understand whenever the temple was being built, in the days when they had just a rough uh, holy place, and outer court, and all of these different things, they had instruments that represented their relationship with God. You have to understand that there was a cloud of pillars by day in a cloud of fire by night. There was one pillar of fire. I would say one. But whenever the Holy Ghost was poured out in the book of Acts, when they got in unity, that Holy Ghost fire in the Greek, it actually says that it was split onto each of them. In other words, what that means is what God used to do in one place, the Holy of Holies, he's now doing in every place in each one of us. That is so good because you have to understand that even though there was the Sol Solomon's temple was built and the fire of God came down, every time they had service, the fire of God didn't come down. The fire of God was the initiator. It was the one that said the Holy Spirit is in this place and I accept and I receive the offerings that you have and I will fill you with my spirit. So we know that today when someone is filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, we don't expect a tongue of fire to set down on their head because because it was divided in the scripture and the principle was said that now the priests are not the only ones that have access to the Holy of Holies, but now each one of us have access to the God of all gods, the God who is Jehovah, Yahweh, the overwhelming one, the one who is able and powerful, anointing, and his anointing rests on each one of us, amen. So that means that we're supposed to be in unity and we're supposed to have the Holy Ghost rest on each one of us and that Holy Ghost is supposed to allow us to minister to each one of us. In other words, pastor doesn't have to get to you to pray for you. 
Someone else can pray for you. But the Bible does tell us that we are to call upon the elders in James. Obviously, we know that there's power in calling upon those who have a walk with God, those that have spent time in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. There's things that come from the presence of God. And there's a greater weight of glory that can set on somebody's life through their consecration. In other words, the things that I have set aside for the Lord and consecrated unto to the Lord gives me a greater weight of glory. In other words, I can stand and put my hand on my daughter's forehead this week when she had a fever and I can say, Lord, you know I walk with you. Lord, you know I've made dedication to you. Lord, you know everything that I have is yours. If you call on it, I'll sell it. Amen, somebody. If you need it, it's yours. Everything I have is yours. But right now I anoint with oil and I ask the door to be open and I I pray in the name of Jesus. And today she's here feeling good, feeling fine. Why? Because somebody stepped in and anointed with oil and believed the word of God and asked God to do what he does. And a greater weight of glory from all that consecration opens that door. In other words, kicks that door open. It opens a door that should not be open and maybe, maybe would not be open. But because you said, I want it open, I open it in Jesus' name. It's open in earth and healing is open in heaven and my daughter gets up the next day feeling better. I tell you, I need the weight of glory in my life. I need it when my friends say I've been diagnosed with cancer. I need it when someone calls me and says, can you come to the hospital? And it's just not the pastor that has the tongue resting on his head. It's every single individual in this room. That's why there's a call to holiness. That's why there's power in the name of Jesus. That's why there's anointing in your tongue when you receive the baptism of the holy ghost he's giving you the power to kick open a door when you need it and i'm not praying right now or talking about the will versus not the will of god i'm talking about in desperation I remember sliding sideways on a road in Alaska and my mom literally took her hands off the wheel and just started yelling, Jesus, that's a bad plan. How many know that's a bad plan? You need to leave your hands on the wheel if the car's sliding. But we were sliding sideways. We had oncoming car. We went through a one-lane wood bridge, and she lost it on the bridge. She swerved left, swerved right, was through the whole load one way, through the whole load the other way, turned us around the road, and now we were going straight at traffic with my brother here, my mom there, and me here, and we're sliding straight into traffic. She has her hands off the wheel going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm going, that's probably bad. You need to put your hands back on the wheel. We got to figure out how to get this car out of this coming traffic. And so we're sliding. Then we go off into the ditch. We hit the culvert and the truck turns up on its side. And the whole time she's going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> I look up and my mom's hanging from her seatbelt going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When all you got is the name of Jesus. When all you've ever had is the name of Jesus. When you've got nothing left but the name of Jesus. You'll use it at times when it seems like you should leave your hands on the wheel. But you take them off. I'm not going to say Jesus take the wheel but you know what I mean you take them off you say Jesus I don't know which way to turn I don't know which way to go I can't seem to get out of this situation I can't seem to get past this system that won't let me get better than where I am but if you will do it Lord if you will take the wheel if you'll do whatever it takes I will see you glorified in it we turned up on our side I reached past my brother put my hand on the windshield also not a good idea the window front window just went dish, 
shit just shattered. And I was like, all of a sudden I see this cat in midair just flying. It was like trying to run in midair. It was the cat that was in my brother's lap. It caught my thumb, stuck a nail in, and from my thumb with one nail got all the way under the seat under my mom. So I come out of the truck. I'm bleeding everywhere. They think I'm, you know, going to pass out in a few minutes. And really, it's just a thumb wound. We find the cat scared to death. We get everybody out. God's good. We all, he get, gets, we're all safe. But guess what? In all of that, I don't know how in the world we would have made it had it not been for the church of the body of Christ stepping in. They fixed our vehicle. They helped us. They got us back on the road, and we got to Alaska. And all of that happened because of people that said, I'm willing to do something for the Lord. Amen? And they opened a door for us. They opened a door for us through their willingness to listen to heaven. And so in Acts in one accord, they have the Holy Ghost poured out and God literally tells them that you're going to do great things through me. You're going to be witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth. I'm thankful that God can allow us to open the door when it's closed. Amen. And I'm thankful that we understand that we have to enter in. But I'm also thankful that we know now that unity is the greatest way to enter in. When we come into the house and I say, let's lift our hands and be thankful. When I say, let's praise the Lord together. That's not me cheerleading. That's not me saying, hey, this is a good idea. Those are principles of the word of God that I'm en enlisting for you, giving you the opportunity on a Sunday morning to open up a door that would be shut, that would stay shut. But with your praise and with your worship, God can open those doors. Amen. Look at the... Look at the sixth chapter of Joshua. I want to give you this story, and then I'll be done today. You guys can go eat. <laughs> go have a hamburger or something. <laughs> go cook something on the grill and offer it up to the Lord as a burnt sacrifice. <laughs> Three times in the scripture, the Bible uses the word unity. Psalms 133 and 1, it refers to the unity of believing as brethren. It's Psalms... Uh, 133, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Everybody say unity. How good and pleasant that is, the Bible says. And then in Ephesians 4 and 3, it says, referring to the unity of the Holy Spirit, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. That means you don't have to agree with everybody, but you can't disagree to the point of disunity in the Spirit. If the Holy Ghost is telling you to make it right, you need to go make it right with somebody. Amen? In Ephesians 4 and 13, it says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. In other words, referring to the unity of the faith, together, all of us believing that God is able in the unity of the, of the truth. So we see the door is open uh, to us in life, but sometimes there's things we run into where the door is closed. Look at Jericho in verse 6 and 1. It says, now Jericho was straightly shut up. Everyone say, door is closed. Because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. How many know they need that door open? How many know God gave them the city of Jericho? God already said, this is yours. Have you ever had somebody, have you ever had the Lord give you something and it seemed like it wasn't yours and it was closed and there wasn't an opportunity, but the Lord said you could have it if you wanted it. You could have it if you go get it. Have you ever had a situation happen where you feel like the Lord was leading you to something and you just kept on running into closed doors? That can happen. But here's how, here's how we get through that, amen? And the Lord said unto Joshua, now I want you to know that Joshua is not a warrior. 
He's not a, a man who has been studying in war. He didn't grow up learning the tactics of war. He was just a man who walked behind the man of God, and he understood that if you listen to the Lord, the Lord will do the battle for you. Amen? That's what Joshua knew. He did not necessarily know all the tactics, but he knew if the Lord said it, he was going to do it, even if it was cray. Amen, somebody? Because this is crazy, what we're about to read here. Jericho, they say, had walls big enough to have chariot races on top. That's how big those walls were. They had houses in the walls. Amen. That's how Rahab put out Scarlet, you know, put out the guy, the gentlemen that were the spies. She put them out the window to let them down. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given unto thee and to thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and all the mighty men of valor. Okay, time out. The doors are shut. Nobody's going in and out. This is a fortified city. And God said, I gave it to you. It's yours. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense, right? How am I going to go get this? And he shall come, and ye shall come, come past the city, all ye, uh, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. In other words, go around the city or walk around the city one time each day, and then on the seventh day the priest shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns and the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpets and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet all the people shall shout with a great voice and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him and Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the, of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets. And now he's just doing what the Lord told him. Amen. And then he goes on to say, and don't say anything, but march around. And so they send out all the men of war. And then they send out the priests with the, with the shofar, the, the trumpet. This isn't really a shofar, but it's close. So then they got priests. They got priests with trumpets. It looks like this, okay? And then they have all the men of war out front, and then they have what's called a rear guard or the people behind them that's guarding the Ark of the Covenant. And now all the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant around this walled city. And everybody is on the rooftops of the city and on the rooftops of the wall, and they are probably mocking the people of Israel at about this point. They're just wearing out their shoes to them. That's all they're doing. They're just running around the city doing nothing. Nothing has happened. And Joshua tells them, he tells his people, do not say anything because he understands the propensity of people to talk themselves out of the promises of God. If you didn't come for anything else today, you came for that right there. You can talk yourself out of the greatest promises of God. Sometimes when God promise you something, promises you something, you just need to pray it into pass. You need to pray it to pass. You just need to let God help you keep your mouth shut. Anybody want to talk me down from that ledge? <laughs> I, I really do believe that God has a reason why Joshua said, don't talk until I tell you to shout. Can you imagine a bunch of people, men of war, that are used to yelling and shouting and going into battle and being brutish and rude and all these different things or whatever they do, and now you're going to tell them to be quiet? You know there's one guy, one joker in the bunch that wanted to always cut a joke, and they're walking around the walls, and Joshua's like, no, 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 Jesus ain't nothing. He wanted them to be silent. And so then the priests, they walk around the seventh time. And at this point, it's pretty much just exhaustion. Can you imagine walking around a fortified city? Let's, I, I, I could have you all get up and walk around this room that many times, and we all want to sit down. 
They walked around the city. And so then they take the trumpets, the priests take the trumpets, seven trumpets, and they blow them. And Joshua says, okay, now all that silence, all that stuff that you've been holding back, you need to let that go with a shout. And he said, shout with the voice of triumph. He said, shout unto God. And in fact, the verse actually tells us, I believe it's in verse 16, and it came to pass the seventh time the priest blew the trumpets and said unto people, shout for the Lord hath given you the city. In other words, they didn't have the city, but they were supposed to shout like they did. So when the priest blew the trumpets, they shouted for victory before they had the victory. That is what your praise does. Your praise opens and tears down entire systems that you can't get past without your praise. Your shout is not just a moment of worship where the band is playing or the preacher's leading or exhortating or there's somebody that's up saying, let's just lift our voice unto God. It is actually you opening doors that you don't even know maybe need to be opened. And when you praise God, something changes in the spiritual world. Something changes in the atmosphere as we learned last week. And it literally tears down the thing that is against you. And what God is wanting you to do is to do like they did where they took Jericho and they said, now let's shout for the victory before we have the victory. In other words, praise God like it's already happened. Praise God like he's already healed your friend. Praise God like he's already saved your enemy. Praise God like he's already set free that one that's in bondage. Praise God that he's brought him out of addiction. Praise God that he's brought him out of places they couldn't get out on their own. Praise God for revelation of the name of Jesus. Praise God for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Praise God because they don't know but will know. Praise God because they will lead lives that say change generations to come because your praise will open that door. Amen, somebody. Your praise opened that door. Dan, if you could come, I'm going to cut this short because I want to do like I opened in Psalms 100 today. We're going to gather around this altar and we're going to enter in with thanksgiving and praise. I should have probably had the praise team come back because we're going to praise the Lord for a few minutes. I don't know what you do at your life group, but this particular week we had our life group and we just started praising and worshiping. And it was like, it was like, you know, it was like Thor on Marvel. He's like, I'll have another. We just wanted another song. We'll sing another, Dan. Sing another. You know, it was like, uh, he was tired. He, I don't think he was even tired of playing when we got done. He was like, I might have one more. But we just kept on worshiping and kept on worshiping. And there was an angelic presence that started filling the house. And we started praying for needs and praying for situations. And strength came and power came. All of that came off of a praise. Amen. Your praise is literally what allows you to possess what you do not have. The praise opens the pathway. Do you hear me today, church? I'm saying the praise opens the pathway. We are to enter in together. We're supposed to do this. So stand with me. Stand in the presence of the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord together. We're going to enter in whatever you need today. You can have it. Come on to the altar. Come on. Step down here and let's worship. Everybody, if you have the ability, you can step out the sides. You can come around down below. But we're going to praise the Lord together. Come on. Let's do this together. We're going to sing a favorite this song. Is how I fight my battles. Come on. We need to fight the Jericho way. We need to have God. God, 
tear down walls. We need to have God let, set free places that were formerly closed up. We need a door open in the name of Jesus. We need a financial door open. Somebody needs a financial door open. Somebody needs a door open in their friendship. Somebody needs a door open in their relationship. Somebody needs a door open in a place that they can't open themselves. You can't even go to where you need to open that door. You need to pray from here and have God open a door there in Jesus' name. Come on, lift up your voice.